Founded in 1682 by William Penn, Europeans first settled in Pennsylvania in 1637, although several tribes of indigenous people occupied the land for centuries before this. Pivotal in the French and Indian Wars, the Seven Years' War, the American Revolution, and the United States Civil War, it is no surprise that with such a rich history, our state has developed a culture that is distinctive and multifaceted. Full of legends and real-life heroes who risked everything for their beliefs, today Pennsylvania retains strong elements of folk culture developed by a combination of ideologies practiced by the varied ethnicities of original settlers, Native Americans, and shared experiences. Legends and lore passed down over centuries reveal philosophies that are as superstitious as they are religious and even scientific, resulting in a microculture found nowhere else. You are listening to Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore, where we believe that behind every great story, there is a nugget of truth. In each episode, your hosts, Ethan and Holly, will attempt to uncover that truth and preserve a part of our incredible Pennsylvanian lifestyle. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore. I'm Ethan. And I'm Holly. And on this episode, we'll be discussing the elusive eastern mountain lion and the mysteries that surround that animal. When the first Europeans arrived in America, the mountain lion was the most widely distributed animal in the Western Hemisphere. But by the late 1800s, mountain lions were wiped out of almost the entire Eastern United States due to hunting, trapping, deforestation, and the decimation of their main prey, which was the white-tailed deer. Mountain lions are one of the largest wildcat species in North America, which no doubt you've heard of them, but most likely haven't seen many if any, of these elusive creatures. They can grow to weigh more than 200 pounds, run up to 50 miles per hour, jump more than 40 feet, and even climb trees. Their current location ranges from northern Canada all the way down to South American Andes. Although a small population exists in the southern tip of Florida, they primarily inhabit the western half of the United States. Many rumors exist of mountain lions still living in some eastern states, such as Pennsylvania, an assertion that has been debated for decades. So, with a diverse diet and the ability to live anywhere from rainforest to deserts to snowy peaks, the mountain lions existed in almost every ecosystem in North and South America prior to the arrival and westward spread of settlers. Mountain lions are common symbols in indigenous American culture, While some view these apex predators as symbols of bad omens, many see them as sacred and revered animals. Persecuted by people who desired their pelts as trophies and seen as a threat to livestock, eastern cougars were rounded up and hunted, some with bounties, beginning in the 1800s. Hunting parties were formed during this time with the sole purpose of cornering and killing mountain lions. Competitions were regularly held with variety going to the hunter that slaughtered the highest number and the largest of these animals. That's interesting. I wonder what went through these people's brain or their minds when they were hunting them or what drove them, why they chose the mountain lion. I mean, we have other animals that are, you know, terrifying. Uh, predators. Yeah, other predator animals that are terrifying. Like, hey, that would 
you know, cause a threat to their livestock as well. Right. So it's fascinating to me that, I don't want to say they chose because, I mean, there was other animals that were wiped out from the eastern states like buffalo. We used to have a ton of buffalo where we live. It's called Buffalo Valley. There's a reason for that. And it just fascinates me why they chose these animals over other ones. Um, you know, was there a reason why they and did? And maybe it is, it's because they're such a larger cat that they viewed it as such a threat that they, they just didn't know enough about it that they thought that, you know, better take care of them now instead of losing their means of, you know, food from their livestock and things like that. Right, and they're pretty stealthy animal. You know, as I grew up learning about them, they're a stealthy animal. I wonder if they, when, now obviously, you know, Indians were here long before we settled into the United States. So I'm sure they were used to it, but I wonder how maybe the mountain lion adapted or how they uh, reacted when all of these people just started expanding westward and um, maybe they changed and became more aggressive than they are now that they were more of a threat to people then than True. they can be now. True. Well, if they were being hunted in such large numbers, you know, they might have seen us as a threat then too. So there might have been more of, you know, a battle of who's going to win you know, us or them. So it was just, they took them out. Yeah. And, and that's a tough one for me because I mean, I am, well, you know, I'm a very avid hunter. I love, grew up with it. Um, love to do it. It provides for our family, but that's kind of where it stops for me. It provides for our family. That's why I hunt. That's why I like to hunt. I don't hunt just to go out and, and kill something. So for me, I struggle a little bit with Although, I'm going to pause you there because I have heard you say, you know, if there's a coyote that's coming into, you know, our backyard, that causes a threat to our family, our pets, you know, so that's not necessarily hunting for a meme. It's true, you're putting me on the spot. Well? I, yeah, that's true. I, I guess I can now. I See? Not much different. Maybe not. <laughs> but... Well, there were larger populations then, like we have of the coyote now, you know, which does cause some problems to Correct. our deer population. And if, maybe I would feel differently, probably would feel differently if, if that was the case of what the settlers experienced with mountain lions as what we're experiencing now with coyotes, then maybe I would understand a little more. But maybe not take it to the extreme. Not to the extreme. No, and I don't think, I don't think I mean, you know, to take it to the extreme when I think of a, co a coyote, I think of it more as I'm not going to go out of my way to go after them, but if one comes in and tries to go after, right. you know, if you see one a child as a threat, or yes. one of our dogs, then I'm going to view it a little differently. Correct. So I think that's the biggest difference is protecting, protecting your land is one thing, but just going out for no purpose other than, you know, trying to be the hunter with the most or largest kill you know, that's that's a big difference, especially when, you know, they weren't using it as like a main food source or, you know, using their pelts as I'm sure they did end up using them, but that's not what their main goal was for right. killing them. 
Correct. Then those that survived the massacre were left with little prey once the deer herds um, you know, were decimated by the settlers. Simultaneously robbed of habitat due to the growth of the lumber industry and settlement expansion, mountain lions eventually disappeared entirely from the east. Between human assault and dwindling food sources, the eastern cougar became an early casualty of the American expansion, living only in legend. So the last wild cougar that was killed in Pennsylvania was shot in Berks County in 1874. Penn State University's mascot, the Nittany Lion, is a reference to the big cats that once roamed Nittany Mountain, which looms over State College. The origin of the name Nittany is derived from the Native American words loosely pronounced nit a knee, a reference to the single mountain that provided a protective barrier, barrier from the elements for the indigenous people of the region. Penn State University houses the only known mounted Eastern Cougar in existence, which was killed in 1856. So I know we have all of our Penn State lovers out here, so we needed to definitely throw in some history on Penn State and how it incorporates into this, this animal. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, Penn State is our blood here, and if it's <laughs> not, you probably aren't from central Pennsylvania. <laughs> Very true. Mountain lions hold a Guinness World Record for having more names than any other animal in the world. It has over 40 in the English language alone. Mountain lions, pumas, and cougars all refer to the same animal. Some of the most common mountain lion alternative names are puma, cougar, panther, catamount, painter, mountain screamer, Mexican lion, red lion, ghost cat, and American lion. The range of the eastern puma has been mapped as far north as Nova Scotia. So while mountain lions rarely weigh over 200 pounds, one record-holding cat weighed in at 276 pounds. So it's definitely not something that you would want to run into in, while you're out hunting. No, and I've always... Like, what's, know, what's, the, what's the average deer weigh? Oh, man, now you're putting me on the spot. I don't know. Well, I figured I that never, would be something that you would know. I don't know. I don't ever pay attention to how much they weigh. Heavy. <laughs> well, clearly 200 pounds is probably more than that. More than what you're... Yeah, I, they're probably... Someone will fact check me on this, but I, deer are probably... Do they weigh 100 pounds? Well, yeah. They probably weigh, I don't know, maybe 175 to 250. That's just a guess. I don't know. Okay, so they're about the same then. Just to interject, Meg, the researcher here, uh, <laughs> a giant panda... That's about the size of a giant panda. So I feel like a deer okay. has to be smaller than that. Okay, I take that back. Then it's probably like, they probably range between 100 and 200 pounds. That's probably more realistic. They're, they're, they're sleeker though. So I guess when you're out in the woods, if you see a, a deer and a cat that weigh about the same, it'd still be more intimidating to see a cat that yeah. big. The thing, the thing that is kind of hard for me to wrap my head around with uh, mountain lions' weight is they don't look like they would weigh so much like they're big but i would always think that yeah they're they're they'd be more of like the weight of a large dog, dog. like yeah yeah that's what i think is that they're dog size but right just, could you imagine seeing a 276 pound cat just yeah. like <laughs> i mean they're just so muscular that true true a lot of it would probably be weight, muscle weight comes from so the male and the female mountain lions look similar, but the males just tend to obviously be a little bit lar larger. Mountain lions have the largest hind legs of all the members of the cat family, making them very good jumpers. They're able to leap from the ground 
18 feet up into a tree, but they're able to jump spans of about 40 feet. They can reach speeds of 50 miles per hour, although they're not able to maintain this top speed for um, very long periods, but they can sustain speeds up to about 10 miles an hour for longer distances. So unless you're a good runner, I would not suggest taking off. <laughs> although the chances of you seeing one are very slim, but if you do, I wouldn't suggest running. Adult cougar paw prints are about four to five inches across for the males um, and about three and a half inches for females. And on the, the paw of the cougar is a notable M shape at the bottom with a divot on top, which is unique to that specific animal. So if you happen to see, you know, a print and it has that M shape and it doesn't have any of the claws because they do have the retractable claws, that's most likely the animal that made that print. The front and back paws have the four teardrop shaped toes with one of the leading toes that is gonna be slightly higher than the other. So if you ever see prints, those are some key things to look for to see if it could possibly be a cougar or a mountain lion. Which is pretty interesting because I know we're gonna get into this a little later, but their paw prints differ from bobcat substantially. Mm -hmm. So. I, that that's interesting to me because uh, bobcat paw prints are are small. They're basically house cat size paw prints, and this you're talking a human sized hand mm -hmm. paw print, which is which I feel like a cat paw print is more distinct. Like you, you can tell a cat paw print more so than probably any other type of print right out there anyway. So if it's huge, it'd be hard to mistake that for something else, especially a bobcat. Right. I mean, even even mistaking it for a smaller a smaller bear would be difficult because bear have very distinct. And they're more likely to have their claws. Claw marks, correct. In the print, whereas the mountain lion most likely would not. Correct. It just, that, that kind of was an interesting fact to me that their paws are just mm -hmm. so large. Despite being the fourth largest cat in the world, behind the tiger, lion, and jaguar, Mountain lions were not officially classified as big cats by National Geographic and the World Wildlife Federation until 2018. And why, you may ask? That would be because mountain lions don't roar. They don't possess the same larynx or the hyoid apparatus as other big cat species that gives them this ability. But it doesn't mean that they don't communicate in plenty of other ways. They speak in a variety of sounds such as chirping, growling, shrieking, and even purring. The mountain lion's best known for their distinctive and eerie screaming, which is also known as caterwauling. Now, I don't know if you looked into this at all, Ethan, when we were doing research, but I know that the sound that they made, I, was, I just needed to know what it sounded like. Um, so we are going to play you a little clip, so that way you get to hear why they call it this eerie screaming sound. about any of you, but if I were out in the woods, that is not a sound that I would want to be hearing. Um, but if you were to hear a noise similar to that, that would be, you know, that's their distinct screaming sound. So it's definitely not a roar. 
you know, like you typically hear of the lion, you, you have that monstrous roar. This is very creepy. <laughs> I always kind of wondered if the, for all the Penn State people out there, the Nittany Mountain roar that they kind of play, you know, mm. uh, you'll hear it a lot on TV when they do like a replay or something like that, or they'll play at the stadium. I always wondered if that was accurate. And it, I mean, it's not far off. I'm sure they, who knows, somebody who maybe will know if that's an actual mountain lion for Penn State roaring or making yeah. sounds, let, let us know. But I would be terrified if I heard that in the woods. Mm -hmm. um, I shouldn't say terrified. I would have a sense of urgency to go back <laughs> to my to my truck or cabin. Say hunting isn't as, as high up on your priority if you start hearing that noise. Probably, d depending on the time of day. And <laughs> if it's at night, I, I think I'd make my way back to Mm -hmm. back to the truck. <laughs> so while it is a, a large animal, the mountain lion is actually the largest small cat, um, which it's generally more closely related to a domestic cat than the lion or tiger, which if you do see it, it does look more like the shape of a house cat versus the shape of a lion or a tiger. You know, the lion and tigers, their heads are huge and the mountain lion and any sort of house cat does have that smaller more proportional to their yeah. shoulder, shoulder width is yeah. what i always view it as like they're very sleek when they're coming at you like they're mm -hmm. so cougars do not retreat to a home base cave or den for sleeping they are continually on the move around their territory and they find suitable suitable shelter spot to sleep in when they want to and on average, in adult male mountain lions, they have a home range covering 50 to 150 square miles. And I think that depends kind of on probably the age of the mountain lion, maybe the health of the mountain lion, depending on you know how wide their territory is going to be. Females have a slightly smaller range of about 50 square miles. And while female cougars have less of a problem with their ranges overlapping with other females, the males don't typically want another male within their range. So if you have that 50 to 150 mile area, more likely than not, you'll just have one male, maybe with a few female. This was kind of my biggest question to this. The whole reason of this podcast was, or the reason of this episode was, mm -hmm. you know. I come back to this fact a lot. You know, I truly want to believe that mountain lion exist in Pennsylvania still mm -hmm. and I always struggled with but why aren't we seeing them right. frequently and I mean this information kind of explains that even even during hunting season like Pennsylvania I think still holds kind of the record like we're the third if you took all the hunters the first day of uh hunting season um yeah I think it's like, like a, the third, is it like a million we have a million hunters roughly and I think it equates to like in army standpoint, the world's third largest army, mm -hmm. the first week of rifle season in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So I always thought, well, why aren't... If they were here... If there's a million people <laughs> spread out across the state of Pennsylvania hunting, right. why aren't we... Seeing them. Seeing them on, maybe not a yearly basis, but, you know, every mm -hmm. 10 to 20 years, why isn't somebody saying, oh, hey, right. I saw a mountain lion. And especially now with technology and everybody goes to the woods with their cell phone or right. trail camera. I always thought, you know, we, we got to be popping up more and more 
with the way technology, but you don't see them, but this kind answers that, that mm-hmm. they have such a wide territory and Pennsylvania woods are so vast. I mean, there's huge areas of woods where, right. you know, and they are also a, a, a nocturnal animal. I know, I know most of the hunters, especially in that first week there of rifle, you know, they are going out in early morning hours, which is also their prime time, you know, it, it, right before sunset there or sunrise that they're, you know, the most active. So it could also be they have such a wide territory. And, you know, when we're out in the woods, it's not necessarily their prime time to be out and about right and i mean yeah they they hide just as easy as mm-hmm. i mean anybody who's listening who has house cats probably knows they can disappear for a long period of time and you can go looking for them and you'll never find them and it's like where where did this cat go mm-hmm. and then they just show up and that's in a just right that's in a home right you're talking the whole state of pennsylvania with woods yeah and an animal that can easily jump up into a tree right and which is interesting because it makes me wonder you know i'm sure the chance of me ever having a mountain lion around are probably slim but maybe not Mm -hmm. but i wonder how many times maybe i've gotten close to a tree that maybe a mountain lion was in and i wasn't paying attention and maybe i would have seen one off in the distance and right just wasn't well, especially right like I feel like in our fall foliage, like with the color of the brown tan that the mountain lion typically is, if it's up in a tree, which in the fall has similar colors, you know, it probably blends in pretty well, you know, up there as well. Right. That, that, which is kind of a creepy thought because, mm-hmm. I mean, again, I go back to hunting. We go into the woods in dark and, right. and come out in the dark with a flashlight and I can tell you most times that I go in I always hear something right running around probably or something almost snapping. rather not know <laughs> yeah and what's it's like, watching oh you? what's that and sometimes I've picked up that it's oh it's a deer running like that right when you've done it long enough you you mm-hmm. notice that stuff but there have definitely been times that I have went in and have heard things that it's like I do not know what that is <laughs> and I cannot get into my tree stand fast enough right So often the young female cougars, they're going to choose a territory next to the one in which they were born, but the young males may travel very far to be able to establish their own area because again, you know, the females, theirs are going to overlap a little bit, but the males, you know, they want their own, their own space. Mountain lions can roam as far as 10 to 20 miles a day. The verified sightings of mountain lions in the Midwest are usually young males. And the habitat in any area might be very good for mountain lions, but if there are no females around, they're going to keep on moving. So, their extinction. In 2011, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services opened an extensive review into the status of the eastern cougar. In 2015, the agency determined the eastern cougar no longer warranted protection under the Endangered Species Act and planned to delist it. On January 22nd of 2018, the delisting became final and the Eastern Cougar was officially declared extinct. According to the Center for Biological Diversity, the Eastern Cougar was extinct well before it was protected under the Endangered Species Act. But now, you know, that categorization is in question because people are starting to see them, you know, so 
we'll get into a couple of the sightings here in a little bit, you know, because people are saying that they're either back in this area or that they never left this area. Right, and there, and there have been, and this is kind of where I, I don't wanna say struggle with it, I get a little annoyed, I guess, because it's like people are providing photos mm-hmm. of, hey, we hit one, hey, I shot one in hunting season, and I think some of them have been discredited as, well, that wasn't in, that photo wasn't in the state of Pennsylvania. It was in this state. But some of them have not been discredited as Pennsylvania. Or they were like Photoshopped. Correct. Or Correct. Something. And, and I think that's where I struggle is they, they still surface from time to time. I'm sure I've seen one in this time frame that they're saying they're extinct, that someone has said that they've hit them. I mean, I feel like they pop up every... Mm-hmm. maybe two two years or so that someone says they hit one or shot one or, or some found one and have some photo and I think photos of them I, I think that's where I kind of struggle it's like are they really gone or is it just there's not enough and we don't have any valid evidence that they're here mm-hmm. so they're extinct but they may really still and I feel still like calling a, a, a species extinct like that just it comes with such weight to it like that's right. just I feel like they shouldn't be taking it lightly, which I would hope that they wouldn't, you know, but it also comes with, uh, when they're protected under this Endangered Species Act, I'm sure that it comes with a large cost, you know, to protect them. Sure. So it might be more of, we're just going to say that they're extinct now, even though we're getting evidence that they may or may not be, but we're just going to keep them on this list as right. being extinct. Well, and I also... I believe there's a, a study going on that there might be some difference between western uh, mountain lions and the mountain lion. There's the a little eastern. bit of di- eastern, a little bit of differences. So I do kind of wonder the ones that people are getting photos of are they meeting the western mountain lion, you know, qualifications of what they determine the western mountain lion or are they more coming out to what they determine the eastern mountain lion? Well, and, and if they're if they're not sure if there's a direct distinction between eastern and western, how can they call the eastern extinct if they technically could be the same subspecies, like species or subspecies? Correct. Like, I yeah, and and I am uh, that'll probably cause some. Yeah, someone who knows more about mountain lions than I do, feel free to you know submit, uh, send us an email. Uh, fill us in and we'll get it out to everybody. I just, I, I wonder if it's maybe, I don't want to say no, migration, I guess, mm-hmm. of some of the mountain lions that are in the West are mm-hmm. migrating East because maybe their population's going up and they want well, even more territory. In- or do we have some that are still around in the East and are just mm-hmm. really good at Hiding. Hiding and, and staying out of Well, and if the population the obviously did dwindle when they were so heavily hunted. Sure. You know, so it's it's possible that the population just has remained so small, you know, between that and how large their territories are, they could have never left. It also, something else that I just thought of is, um, I kind of wonder, you know, everybody evolves as time goes on mm-hmm. so i wonder if this predator animal maybe when the settlers came and and started hunting them maybe they evolved over time that they're not the great predator that they used to be and they're a little more on the they're still a predator but 
they're a lot more cautious. They don't expose themselves as much mm-hmm. unless they have to. And maybe that's why True. we're not seeing seeing as many and they're, well, now extinct. They're elusive. And, yeah, they're extinct, according <laughs> to the Game Commission. So some of the, uh, we'll go through a couple of our, our sightings. Pennsylvania's last known pair of mountain lions were killed near Lock Haven in Clinton County in 1871. The last single wild cougar in 1874 in Berks County. A mountain lion was killed by a hunter in Potter County in 1967, but the state game commission ruled that that animal was an escaped pet. Um, And we will get into that in a little bit as well, that that is a lot of when one is spotted in the area, it's thought to have been an escaped pet or from sort of zoo or containment. Although the commission insists there is no evidence of wild mountain lions anywhere in the state, sightings continue to occur on a regular basis. Wherever there is an alleged sighting of a mountain lion in Pennsylvania, most people suspect the person has lately likely seen a bobcat, house cat, a deer, a dog. You know, they're so quick to say, that's not what you saw, but it's difficult to discredit the numerous credible outdoorsmen who have spent countless hours, you know, outside hunting and insist on the existence of the Nittany Lion. In eastern North America, which is not just, you know, Pennsylvania, especially in the rural regions, various residents have reported as many as 10,000 cougar sightings since 1960. And many continue to believe that the subspecies has survived in this area. So not that it didn't even leave at all, that it it shouldn't have been considered extinct, that it's still here and it's been here. And that kind of goes back to my kind of new thinking of did they just evolve Mm -hmm. over... They adapted their way of life to avoid us. Right. Did we do such harm to them? Right back when the settlers came over and started hunting them heavily and when they we just didn't really care about them and we just Mm -hmm. eliminated them did they adapt and evolve to people to think hey people are bad we don't want to get close to them Mm -hmm. they are a threat to us and well stay away clearly obviously there was more of them back then but clearly they weren't as difficult to spot either because so many of them were killed and they were coming after their, you know, livestock. So clearly they had changed their ways in that aspect because they are staying, you know, out of our sight now. Whereas back then it seems like they were more willing to come out to the point where we could see them. Right. So that's a good point. Yeah. And the other thing too, I think about it is, you know, I I think a lot of people think that they are, you know, they're a predator to to humans as well, but mm-hmm. they really aren't. I mean, you don't hear, and I, I try to keep up with the news, you know that, uh, you don't hear of people being attacked by them in the West mm-hmm. or, or people being killed by them like you do with, you know, grizzly bears. That And that's not, you know, those happen a couple times a year that somebody gets attacked by a grizzly bear, but you just don't hear mm-hmm. out in the West that someone was attacked by a mountain lion and, and they have them. Right. Um, we know they're there. So it just makes me wonder if they are really, I want to say fearful, but cautious when they know humans are around in their Mm -hmm. territory. Right. I mean, animals have good senses like that, that they can pick up on stuff. If they can travel 10 10 to 20 miles a day, 
and say one of them has like a 75 mile radius, you know, they probably know that territory right. rather well, you know, so if, if they're in a spot where, you know, certain humans come on a regular basis, I'm sure they know about it. You know, so if right. they wanted to make their sel- themselves known, they would, but they don't. Right. Yeah. It's it's just some interesting things that I, I think about that make me believe that, mm-hmm. you know, personally, I don't believe they're extinct. I don't know the number of mountain lions that we have around, but I just don't. You think they're still here? I still, I truly think that they're still here. Mm-hmm. And honestly, before doing the podcast, I could have went either way, whether they were here or not, but doing more research and figuring out. And again, I go back to how big their territory is and how rural of an area we are and the eastern states are, you know, the likelihood of you spotting one probably is slim. Yeah, and and some of the stories you're going to get to just have kind of solidified that, for me, that, oh, they're totally here. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into one sighting. This one was back from 2005. Um, A... An avid outdoorsman and hunter um, with about 37 years of experience. Um, his name is Pat. Um, he knew the wildlife. He knew the woods. Um, but back in 2005, in October, um, he saw a mountain lion walk past him when he was turkey hunting near his central Pennsylvania home. So he lived in, in Clearfield County. And he was, he was set up with his back up against the tree about 6.45 in the morning. Um, and again, this is going to be more of their prime time, you know, nighttime coming into morning where they're going to be a little more active. The mountain lion gave two sop, soft yelps. And about two minutes later, the large cat came walking past him. In one of his interviews, he stated that he watched the animal through his rifle scope and the lion eyed him over as he observed it, and a few seconds later, the mountain lion moved on. So it really didn't take any sort of notice to him, or he probably noticed him, but didn't give any bother. You know, so clearly he didn't see him as a threat because he held still. He wasn't, you know, really doing much to try and provoke the animal, which was probably in his favor. And I think one of the main things that sticks out to me is what what Pat had said next. So he said it was a good sized cat noting the animal passed within 12 yards of him. So he noticed the distance. He knew how big the animal should be or how big it was from, from being that distance from him. And he said, there's no comparison between a bobcat and a mountain lion, the head, the ears and the face, and there's nothing like it. So that really makes me question why so many people are so convinced that when there is a sighting of a mountain lion, they think that it could be mistaken as a bobcat. There are such differences between the animals, and clearly he states that, and I think that's why this sighting so sticks out to me so much, because he says, you know, he, noti- he knows the difference between the two. Like, this isn't a mistaken identity of a cat. Right, and this one bothers me a little bit, that people go to that, if someone says they see a mountain lion, they're like, oh, it's probably a bobcat. It makes me believe that maybe those people don't even know the difference because, mm-hmm. I mean, five minutes, not even five minutes, going on the internet and type, you know, looking up what a mountain lion looks like and what a bobcat looks like and comparing them, it, it's so different mm-hmm. in one, what they look like, and two, they are on different planets in mm-hmm. size. I mean, a bobcat is basically what I like to call a glorified, slightly larger house cat. 
-hmm. and a mountain lion is... Although it looks like a house cat. Yeah. It looks more like a house cat, I think, than a bobcat, but the size is clearly different. I could see that if somebody said, oh, I saw a bobcat today, and someone said, or, you know, that, oh, no, it's probably a house cat. I could see that argument, but... You would believe that one more so than... Than someone saying, oh, this, you saw a bobcat, not a mountain lion. Mm -hmm. That makes me truly believe that that person hasn't looked or really well, studied know, the differences between the two. I know from like a distance you could think that an animal is much larger than what it actually is but you know his account he was 12 yards from it you know that's not enough distance in my mind to mistaken a small animal for a large animal. Right. Like I feel like that's close enough that he would have you know, the knowledge to know that this is a big cat. Right. That'd be like putting a house cat by a large dog and, you know, at 12 yards and saying, oh, they're the same thing. Mm -hmm. You miss, you mistook that large dog for that house cat. <laughs> so then in, so that was 2005. This next one is going to be in 2018. There was a large amount of mountain lion sightings that occurred in northern New York of Pennsylvania. Um, the one incident occurred in mid-July where two pet horses sustained injuries, which a Dr. Foster, who was from the York Daily Record, believes they're congruent with mountain lion attacks. The horses had two sets of claw marks on their hindquarters and a bite near their, you might have to correct me, is it withers? Uh, yes. Withers? Okay. If there are horse lovers out there, I apologize if that's not correct, but I believe that is. Um, so then Dr. Foster stated that the markings are not consistent with coyotes or bears and a bobcat would be too small to make the claw mark that's that large. And according to Foster, the only animal that this injury is consistent with is a mountain lion. So unfortunate for the horses that they had to take this sort of rough battle, but they were, they were able to see, you know, the claw marks and things like that to best identify what animal was making these, what ha did these attacks. So that was on in mid-July. Then on July 17th of 2018, Stacy Griffiths posted an update on their Facebook page of Mountain Lions of Pennsylvania Info Library. And in that she stated that the Eastern Puma Network confirmed that the horses were indeed attacked by a mountain lion. A representative from the Eastern Puma Association inspected the wounds in the horses as well as the surrounding areas, and they found evidence that the horses, as a team, were able to drive off the mountain lion um, with as much force as they could at that point. Because a lot of people were saying, well, if a mountain lion attacked horses, those horses aren't going to make it through that attack. But I believe because it was two of them, they're saying they were able to, you know, get this animal away from them. It also could be, too, if, you know, the mountain lion was, if it is approaching you know, livestock now, like these horses, there could be something, it could be injured, you know, there could be something wrong with it, that it was approaching, you know, more so civilization than what they typically do. So that could be another reason why the two horses were able to drive it off. The cat also had made markings on a nearby tree, which was on the direct path that it took from the state game lands to the farm where the horses were. Several days after the horses were attacked, a mountain lion was identified by two other individuals at another horse farm. So it seems like that mountain lion was staying within that area. Again, they're not typically obviously seen. So I know that was one of my initial thoughts is that, 
well, maybe there was, it was injured and wasn't, didn't have any other means of getting a food source. So it was being driven towards these farms to try and get quote unquote an easy prey. Um, right. You know, a horse in a, in a fence can't right. do much, but since there are multiple horses, you know, they're able to defend themselves a little easier than if there was just one. And as you were reading that article, a couple things uh, kind of clicked with me here that is interesting to me. So up from what you said earlier, you, you know, the Fish and Wildlife mm -hmm. in January of 2018 determined mountain lions were extinct mm -hmm. in the state of Pennsylvania. Right. Or, yeah, state of Pennsylvania. And this happened in mid-July of 2018, the same year. Right. Was confirmed by a doctor that they were mountain lions. Right. But... Just seven months they after. They still <laughs> remain extinct. And that seems... For me, that seems like maybe they jumped the gun on it a little too much. Maybe they should do a little more research on it. It's a little angering to me that not more that was more more was done with this specific case, other mm -hmm. than yeah, we confirmed it was mountain lions. And I think from our from Meg's research, our researcher, uh, I think she had tried to reach out to Miss Griffith, and she Miss Griffith had really tried to push this to the game commission that like these. Animals These were mountain lions, yeah. they are here, you know, we have proof, solid proof of it, mm -hmm. and I believe she said her response was that they said it was somebody's house cat. Actually, my, uh, my last communication with Stacey, she said they are still seeing mountain oh. lions, there are still mm -hmm. regular sightings of mountain lions in their area in York County, and the Game Commission at this point is ignoring their sightings and mm -hmm. their uh, appeals. And Dr. Foster actually taught biology and um, I think veterinary science as well at uh, Messiah College. So okay. he's really, really well versed and knows what he's talking about when mm -hmm. it comes to he's right. multiple degree um, degrees in those fields. So mm -hmm. yeah, that this this was kind of the, this was the big story for, for me personally. It just, it just makes you wonder why, why the game commission isn't acknowledging, you know, these sightings that are coming from so many different people in such, you know, in the same, coming from the same area, you know, clearly people are seeing them. Why is there such a pushback to say, well, they're not here. Right. You and know, what, are, what steps are they doing to determine, well, that's not what you saw. You know, are they doing any sort of other research to find out whether or not people are seeing them or if they're just right. kind of blowing it off and saying, well, no, that's not that's not what you saw. They're not here. Right. It would just, for me, I would like to hear from the Game Commission of just a statement of, hey, you know, we're going to need more evidence. You know, we maybe you're correct. Right. We need more solid evidence. What are Provide they us more. Right. Or, hey, you know, it's due to, to funding. Mm -hmm. we, we can't afford to do that right now. You might be on to something. Mm -hmm. We'd love to say that they're, you know, not extinct. Just something. Give us some clarification or give us, tell us why you're telling us it's, what is the Game Commission's reason for saying, hey, it's a house cat? Mm -hmm. how, how are they coming to the conclusion that, oh, it's probably just a somebody's right. pet? Right. 
this story, like I said, this, this was the big one for it'd be, me. That it'd just be interesting to see like what upset. their thoughts are, whether they think, well, yeah, maybe they could be here, but again, we don't have the resources to figure that out, or whether or not they're actually going through the steps of telling people you're seeing a bobcat, you know, you're seeing something else, they're not here. It'd, it'd be interesting to to know what their stance is on it. Right, and in the same time, I. And maybe we need to look, I don't know if there's an article from Dr. Foster on this attack or not, but I would also like to hear, like, how he came to those conclusions. Uh, did somebody see the attack happen? I know they said they thought that the horses kind of... They had the mark, like they had, they had the markings of it, yeah. But it would just, I'd like to kind of hear his side from it too, not to just, you know, go right against the Game Commission, but I know they're also saying they're seeing, you know, they have, they're seeing these mountain lions, so that makes sense that one would have attacked, you know, the horses, not discrediting what the doctor said. He's a doctor. I'm not. From um, the article and also what Meg began here, what I discussed with Stacy, the reason it was confirmed that it had been a mountain lion was the paw print wasn't the right type of paw print to be a bear. Like you think about what kind of animal can take a horse down. Right. The paw print didn't have enough. Well, it didn't have the right markings for a bear. Right. Mm -hmm. There were claw marks in the horse. It was way too large for a bobcat. And actually, one of the horses was a very large plow horse, which is why they think Mm -hmm. the horses were able to fend off the mountain lion together because the one horse is basically a beast. It's not just a riding horse. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And they said with that horse, there was no way a bobcat would have been able to leap and Mm-hmm. get into the horse that way mm-hmm. and um, their paws are so much smaller yeah you know so even just seeing that distinction between the the paw markings or the claw markings mm-hmm. you can clearly state see whether they're you know like a, a smaller size versus what we say like three to five inches mm-hmm. you know that's a big difference in a in a paw size yeah and the attack was not consistent with anything you would see from coyotes either mm-hmm. um it was clearly one animal coyotes typically hunt in packs mm-hmm. and for like a horse it would have been expected that more than one set of marks and stuff mm-hmm. would have been found on the horse because probably more than one coyote would have been involved also paw print again Way too small. Right. Way, way too small. So that's well, where... Well, coyotes aren't they're all not that huge. big either. No. So, you know, for one coyote to go after two, especially one, especially a large horse, mm-hmm. seems very unlikely. Yeah. So that's where the conclusion came from, how, how it was developed, that that marking is really just consistent with the paw print of mountain lion. They also, I believe in the article, he said he compared it to the paw prints of Western mountain mm-hmm. lions. Because although there the, there's arguments about the subspecies, whether there really is a difference between the two or whether there are subtle differences, the paw print is the same. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. how they arrived at the conclusion. Yeah, it just, again, this story was the one that kind of bugged me the most, I guess, because... You have you, professionals confirming. Right, you have the animal being extinct seven months later pretty solid proof that hey it's not extinct and mm-hmm. it's probably not somebody's house cat or uh, somebody's or pet. pet sorry yeah their mountain lion pet 
mm-hmm. um, which I get people have. I I don't know why, but you do look it up on YouTube. There are people that have mountain lions as pets. Mm-hmm. No thanks. I don't like when our well, house I, pets I, nibble on my fingers when we're petting them. I can't imagine a mountain lion just like nibbling on your, I don't know, whole arm. Well, and I think that they can get away with saying that so often because, you know, there are certain rules and regulations and, you know, things that you need to follow in order to legally own one. Right. You know, so if you don't legally own it, you know, with, I think there's like a black market even for big cats, you know, so if you don't have it legally and it gets out, chances are you're not going to go, hey, have you seen my mountain lion that escaped? You know, so I think that's, that's why they so often are like, well, it's somebody's somebody's pet that they lost or let loose because they didn't want it anymore because the chances of somebody reporting it missing are probably slim uh, because they may not own it legally. Right. And and the other thing that I kind of hang up on with the, the house pet is if the mountain lion that is living at your home with your family is domesticated enough to not attack you in your sleep um i'm not saying it wouldn't go after other animals but i feel like it wouldn't necessarily go after a horse if it's not going after the human that it is potentially sleeping in the same room with well and i also don't think that it would probably survive very long depending on how long it was domesticated it may not know how to act in the wild Right. You know, so they may not survive very long, especially if you have a male that you are living in the territory of another male. If right. it gets out, you know, they're, I don't know what happens when two males in the same territory come across each other. But if one of them has been a wild cat its entire life versus one that has been domesticated the majority of its life, I'm sure one of them is going to prevail and it's not going to be the domesticated cat. So the chances are it prob- it may not survive long. Right. The, the only driving factor that I can see for the game commission side of things is if it was a domesticated cat and it did attack a horse, I could see that being possible because, one, no one's going to claim that they lost mm-hmm. unless they legally had that mountain lion. So unless someone captures like if it was a house pet, if someone didn't legally own it, they're not going to claim it. Right. So the only way would be to capture it and, or, you know, kill it. But so that's the only kind of hang up for me is if they're seeing it repeatedly and maybe it, it guess it could be a domesticated cat and it doesn't know any better. But then again, I also think you would see that that cat, if it was a domesticated cat, wandering through towns, not being fearful to go up to somebody right. or when somebody steps in front of it, you know, it's not going to run away. Be- mm-hmm. Because it's used think- to people. It's used to people. Right. Right. So that's kind of, I could see it being possible, but I just don't know that. It, for me, I don't know that my head is, that's, mm-hmm. you know, it was a house pet. So the last sighting that we are going to cover is one of the most recent. It was in May of 2022. 
uh, where a Rick was traveling through Middleburg, Pennsylvania. He struck a large cat with his vehicle. It was dusk, which again, we kind of determined that is more of their prime time. And he was traveling with a friend who also witnessed the large brown colored cat with a long tail dashed into the woods. So they drove a short distance after they had hit the cat. Um, so they drove down the road, they stopped, they turned back to investigate. There was no blood, there was no hair, there was no sign of the animal. Um, however, the animal that he struck was large enough to cause $4,000 worth of damage to his vehicle and walk away. So one of the main reasons why we wanted to discuss this sighting is because one of the main things that they're saying, you know, as to why they're not here is because they aren't getting hit by vehicles. You know, everything else <laughs> in the area, you know, we, we have them, we see them. Unfortunately, they do get hit by vehicles and we see them on the side of the road. Um, you know, we do have some of the larger animals though that can withstand being hit by, you know, our vehicles and walk away, you know, and I think you being more into the cars than I am, our vehicles have also evolved to the point where if you hit something, it's more able to take that impact, kind of just crush a little bit, and then the animal can walk away. You'll have a higher bill for repairs now than you probably would back in the day because... But the chances might be you more can, likely that it'll walk away. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, I can see, like... A newer car is going to take more damage than a older car would just because they are built to crush when they get right. hit to keep the driver safe. Right. So I do see what you're saying. Yes, by hitting that, because the car is built to kind of collapse Absorb under, the, yes, the... that I could understand that it would maybe be a little more possible for an animal to live versus being hit by a car from the 70s, 80s. Mm -hmm. Nice. And I know from my own personal experience, I've hit a bear with a vehicle, um, you know, and it wasn't even a big bear, but it ran away, you know, and there was, now that one, there was, there was minimal damage to the, to the vehicle because I was able to mostly avoid it, but the bigger the animal, you know, the easier it's going to be able to take an impact, a big impact, like a car hitting it and walk away. So to me, just saying they're not here because they're not getting hit by vehicles doesn't hold as much weight as, you know, some of the other reasons that people are, are concluding as to why they're not here. Right. And again, I know a lot of people say, you know, we hit deer all the time. You know, why aren't we hitting mountain mm -hmm. lion occasionally? Well, I read an interesting article um, just recently. Some of the reason we hit deer is because their food source moves or they exhaust a food source and they have to travel further and mm -hmm. further to find these food sources. And it just so happens that beside highways is our good food sources. So they're eating beside highways and that's why they're getting hit. The other reason is if you look, we have a lot of deer hits during the rut, which is to non-hunters out there, they're breeding season basically when the deer just go nuts and they chase each other and mm -hmm. um they pretty much give up all the cares in the world during during rut and mm -hmm. are more into chasing each other around and right mating and we see increased 
accidents then. So I understand what they're saying, but again, you're talking about something that just doesn't put itself out there to the world. Right. So I can see where we would hit, you know, someone would hit one with a car occasionally, but not to the extent that, you mm-hmm. know, we shouldn't be getting one hit every year if they exist. Mm-hmm. And like we said before, their their prime time is more, they're nocturnal, they're going to be out more at night right. where there are less vehicles on the road. Not, you know, people are on the road, obviously, at night, but there are less. So, you know, you have less people on the road and, you know, less animals in a wide range of miles. You know, so less vehicles, less cars, less hits. You know, so I don't I don't particularly like that reasoning, but I, I get it. Yeah. So some some of the theories we've already touched base a little bit on as to why people are saying they're either not in this area or they're not here. The number one is that they are escaped pets, which I know we've touched base on a lot. Again, escape the escape pets for me. I see that first of all, I find it hard to believe that there would be a large number of people that have them as pets. I can see there being a couple people that would have them. And again, you would think that they would show themselves more in, you know, towns or the outskirts of towns where people, they would be a more common sighting if they were a domesticated house mm-hmm. mountain lion. Well, you'd think like, they can't just keep them inside. So I feel like neighbors would know if you had one, like, so then if it, if it was gone, you know, and then there were people seeing it, somebody would be like, hey, right. that's so-and-so's from down the street, you know? Like, so even that, I mean, I get people have them legally or illegally, um, like we had said before, but I don't think it's as, as many as what they're just claiming. Right. All of the sightings are someone's pet. Right. So another one of the theories is that they are the bobcats, the deer, coyotes, which, again, we've touched base on that as well. But my biggest thing with those is, especially if you're within a certain distance, you know, the sizing and the shape of those different animals, it's very different. Right. And this is going to sound a little harsh, but just do your research. <laughs> go, go, go look at a bobcat go look at a mountain lion mm-hmm. and again i know if it was a, if it was a distance if you were fields away and you were seeing a cat like i could see having an issue determining the size of it although you probably wouldn't see one that's a lot smaller but i could see maybe having a mistaken identity when it's far away but when you're seeing it up close like there's nothing like the look of a mountain lion in this area. I don't even... I think you're wrong on the distance. I mean, <laughs> even at far distances. If okay, you know I any, can't tell the size But of if you know anything about them, mountain lion are on the move. They don't stop. The deer argument, briefly, I was just thinking, you know what, I could see someone saying a deer was a mountain lion, but then I thought, no. Because when you see a deer, the only time to me a deer is going to look like a mountain lion is when it has its head down eating and someone only sees the top of the back of the deer or the body of the deer. They don't see the legs. They don't see the head, but But you're never going to see a mountain lion. I feel like just standing still in a field. Probably not during the day at least. During the day or even at night with its head down eating out of the field. I don't buy it unless it has something. But looking at it aren't deer. Deer legs are more 
they're skinny. Slender and long, Correct. whereas a mountain lion legs and that's what I'm saying. You can own stockier. And that's what I'm saying. The only part that I can see maybe mistaken with the deer is you if can't you see, see the deer's <laughs> legs or head or tail. You just see the body of the deer, and someone's like, "Oh, that's a mountain lion." Well, and I'm sure their their coloring has to be along similar lines. A little bit, but I think deer are darker brown and mountain lion have a little more mm -hmm. like a grayish coloring. Well, and I don't even know. The... Bobcats, what are their typical colors? Uh, they're... Are they more grays like gray. and blacks? And, and coyotes, are coyotes seen. similar like that? Or are they, do they have more, might have more browns in them too, maybe? Coyotes are... The last coyote I saw was a little bit of gray. It had a little bit of like a white creamy coat to it they do have a little bit but of brown I think there's, but it's more on a, i think theirs are more they have more coloration to them whereas the mountain lion is more of that tan brown throughout right. it's not like differing colors the other thing too is the mountain lion has shorter kind of smoother sleeker hair where coyotes are more hairy bobcats are hairier mm -hmm. like they're, fluffy or whatever you want to call it, where mountain lions are a little more like deer. They have shorter hair. They're a little sleeker. Mm -hmm. They're they're just a shorter-haired animal. And I think the tail is significant to mention, too. Like, deer obviously don't have tail like a bobcat or like a mountain right. lion. A bobcat doesn't have a tail that's long and thin like, like a mountain lion does. And coyotes, I think, are more along the line of a dog tail where it might be poofier and not right. as slender as a cougar. So I think that would be another thing. If you can catch anything on the animal, you know, I think a tail would be a significant determination for myself to be like, okay, that's not this, this, and this. You know, that right. that's something that's significantly different on all of those animals. If someone is seeing and saying that they saw a mountain lion, I think for the most part, those people are correct unless they're making up the story because you're going to have to see some enough of the animal to determine it's a mountain lion. If you just see the body of an animal, you can't just immediately say, oh, that's a mountain lion because mm -hmm. there are like a deer. Potentially, if you saw the body of a deer, you could say, oh, that's a mountain lion, but it was really a deer. Or it could be vice versa where you could say, oh, it's a mm -hmm. deer and it was really a mountain lion. Mm -hmm. But so I think you have to, if you've seen the whole animal, it's... Hard to, hard to make that mistake, I think. Mm -hmm. I think it is one of the harder animals that you can just say, I saw a mountain lion, and someone can just come back and say, no, you didn't. Mm -hmm. It was right. this. Spend yeah. five minutes on the internet looking up these these animals, and you'll mm -hmm. immediately be like, okay, like that would be hard to mistake in, in the woods mm -hmm. or in public. Yeah. So a third theory is that they, they never actually left, you know, which we, we touched based a little bit. You know, some some believe that they've been here all along, which I think that you pointing out the time frame between the period of them actually being delisted from, you know, the endangered list to the attack on those horses, you know, that short amount of time we've, we had a confirmed sighting, you know, so it's possible that they've they've been here all along. In Pennsylvania alone, there's been 1,500 confirmed mountain lion sightings since the 1950s, you know, so why we think that they went away, I get that their population dwindled because of us, our hunting, our 
you know, developing of land, like taking away their, their habitat, even though there's still plenty out there in the rural, rural areas of Pennsylvania. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that they were ever gone at all. Right. Yeah. I, and that's where I'm on the fence. I kind of think, I think they exist. Like I, I personally believe they're here. Um, we just don't see them. What I don't know that I can come to a conclusion myself, I think that they potentially could have been here all along. They've never left. But I also think we maybe wiped them out or enough of them that they couldn't, you know, reproduce and make any kind of number. And then eventually just they did go extinct. And the western mountain lion has expanded its territory and has migrated this this way back into the eastern states. Mm-hmm. But I do believe, regardless of if it's an eastern or a western mountain lion, we there are mountain lion here. Like I, well, and what I, I come back to is that. we have had so many sightings over so many decades, right? Of them, so why would we think that they were never here? You know, I get that we did so much damage to this to this animal that we are the reason that it became or was believed to become extinct in this area. But with so many people seeing them throughout the throughout, you know, not only Pennsylvania, but throughout the eastern states, you know, I tend to push more towards that they've always been here and they've just adapted to life with us to the point where they don't want to interact with us and just figured out how to live with us without interacting with us. All right, so the last theory that we're going to touch on is the possible colonization of the East Cougars by the Western Cougars. So the theory of, you know, there is no real distinction between the two, but the fact that the Western Cougars have made their way over to the eastern states. So one of the the best kind of looks into that is that they, they can travel, you know, so many miles a day. Some cougars found far in the east were established to be of western origin, and the most famous of that is the Connecticut mountain lion. So this male lion had trekked 1,500 miles from South Dakota, which was the furthest distance that we currently have record of, before it was eventually hit by a vehicle in Connecticut. So it's not typically the norm, um, but I believe it is going to become more common that, you know, these Western mountain lions are making their way over, you know, towards the Eastern states. And like we said previously, there may not be as much of a difference between the Eastern and Western mountain lions as was previously believed that they were two different subspecies. But the way that they kind of identify that they are the Western is obviously when this one was hit by the vehicle, they could tell by, you know, the contents of its stomach, what it was had been eating. Um, I believe some of like the pollen that is on its fur, you know, are obviously different by regions. So they could tell that it wasn't originally from the Eastern states that it had, you know, migrated from South Dakota to our area. So that's another one of the theories that is out there that, you know, the they might not be the Eastern cougars, but they're, they're migrating here from the West. Right, and especially in 
uh, you know, more recent time, COVID happened. So it's possible that they may move farther now because, I mean, we were, everybody was staying home mm -hmm. for how long? And, I mean, you see it with other animals and with, you know, other habitats, things that people were doing constantly, like the animals were affected by it now that, you know, people weren't out and about as much. And mm -hmm. um, so maybe even more so recently, these mountain lions are, if they are coming from western states back, you know, east, it's possible recently that they have really been making those treks across the United States because there for a large chunk of time. A good people, like year and a half to two years. <laughs> yeah, people weren't doing anything mm -hmm. more than they had to, so humans weren't interfering in their everyday lives like they had been prior to 2020. Mm-hmm. So it's possible they're moving more than they, they were before. Well, and the Western, the Western mountain lions, you know, their population out there is still, you know, still relatively robust. You know, they, they're a healthy popula population, you know, so they may be coming our way where we have our dense forests, we have our deer population, you know, so it's not, it's not all that far-fetched to think that they wouldn't be coming this direction. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that is very possible and honestly very likely that they are, if we didn't have a population here for a short time, mm -hmm. we definitely are, have some from Western states now, mm -hmm. um, migrating this way. Or, or they could be coming from more Northern areas like Canada. They can sure. be making their way down our way as well. Um, that's another possibility of where they could be coming from if if it's believed that they, you know, had disappeared from our area entirely and weren't still here the whole time. Right. Right. I, I agree with that. While there is no argument that mountain lions are still very much alive, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service claims that the eastern cougar has been extinct for some 70 years. Still questions remain. Have mountain lions been migrating from the west to the east? Has the average bobcat just grown so large that people are confused about what they're seeing? Or did this ghost cat somehow manage to survive in the most remote areas because of its natural instincts and stealthy behavior? The habitat in which the mountain lions can live is vast and by nature they easily adapt to even the harshest conditions. Over the centuries since settlers first arrived in North America, industry has grown, cities have expanded, and land has been developed. However, even today, North America and the United States is blessed with vast areas of remote, unadulterated wilderness, state and national parkland, and nature preserves. One question that continues to be raised is how do we know that the eastern cougar is extinct? How is this determined? Also, within the last 20 years, there have been 14 species found in the wild that were previously classified as extinct. How do we really know that the eastern mountain lion won't be a similar case? Perhaps the primary argument against the continued existence of eastern mountain lion is the lack of hard evidence. No clear photos, no definitive paw prints or droppings, and no roadkill. But this isn't exactly the truth. We have already discussed the many cases where mountain lions were sighted, paw prints were found, and photos were captured. It has always been decided that these animals must have escaped captivity and aren't part of a small but growing wild population. 
While researching this topic, we reached out to Stacy Griffiths, who helped investigate the 2018 horse attack. She affirms that mountain lion sightings still occur regularly in her area, but the Game Commission has effectively ignored all the evidence that they have brought forward. Also, we are talking about an animal that at its core is elusive, with territories of 50 to 150 square miles that rarely overlap. Unless starving, they will not wander into populated areas. Solitary creatures, mountain lions pass through their territory silently and naturally avoid spaces where they sense people. With wild areas in Pennsylvania, such as Vihanna, which is 48,000 acres, and Hammersley, which is 30,000 acres, there are plenty of secluded spots where a mountain lion could roam completely undetected. These wild regions are largely expanses of relatively undisturbed forests that are set aside to protect wildlife and have plenty of deer that could feed large cats. Because of how remote these regions are, people would not be likely to cross paths with a lion hunting within. Mountain lions usually do not make themselves visible unless they want to be seen. It might be years before any solid answers are provided, which means the folklore and debates about mountain lion sightings in Pennsylvania will most certainly rage on. The Mountain Lions of Pennsylvania Info Library was created to focus on organizing the reports of mountain lions in Pennsylvania. They have compiled a Google map of unconfirmed popular public reports, videos, pictures, and historical information regarding this topic. This will also be posted on our blog, so if anybody wants to log on, check out that map and see if maybe they're within any of these areas. That way you can keep your eye out for them yourselves. We want to hear from our listeners, so if anyone has their own sightings or stories to share with us, um, you can send us an email at info at shollyagency.com and also if you have a Pennsylvania legend you would like us to cover let us know also at that email address and we'll be sure to look into it and then we might actually look you know talk about it on an upcoming podcast so thanks again for listening to Ethan and I today we really appreciate everyone who you know tunes in and and gives us a listen And we will be here again next time as we cover the ghost of White Deer Pike. Yes, and we'll we'll improve our podcast as we we, uh, do more and more of these. This is the first one, and uh, we look forward to continuing this. And And we hope uh, you stick with us. Thanks for uh, listening, and come back and listen to the next episode. And and, uh, we look forward to talking about the ghost of White Deer Pike. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore wherever you get your podcasts. Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore is produced by Harv Productions, LLC.